This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If I had the choice between Beyonce or Seth every day, I would pick Seth. everyone and welcome to the inaugural episode of the fourth wall i am your host griffin schiller and this is the show where we break down the fourth wall of the film industry as we get an inside look through our conversations with industry professionals ranging from directors actors and in the case of today's guest composers the show is of course part of the playlist podcast network where you can find our weekly film discourse show discussing the latest releases along with the rest of our show catalog whatever your fix is i'm sure that we got you covered over there but anyways getting into this episode now this is a show i've wanted to do for a little while now as i've begun talking to more and more professionals in the industry you know uh, directors actors uh, you name it and it's always fascinating hearing their story of how they got started and the projects they've worked on and the collaborations they've been a part of that is always my favorite part of uh, these interviews is just listening to their personal experiences and what they had to say and then of course getting a peek behind the curtain on certain projects and really breaking down some of the more technical elements that's something that I always like learning about and so that's definitely an element that I want to bring into the show as well and so that's really what this show is about it's taking my passion for filmmaking and the industry and talking with these fantastic guests and it's combining it into one podcast and hopefully you all will enjoy the conversations as well but let's get into our first guest here because I still can't believe that this person this particular individual is the first guest on the fourth wall. I don't even have the words to describe how incredible of an experience it was talking to this person. I have like top three interviews off the top of my head, uh, just that of people who have really influenced my love and passion for uh, film and the, the industry and movies. Uh, number one, obviously, is Christopher Nolan. Number two is Hans Zimmer. And then number three is Martin Scorsese. And so, I got the privilege to cross one of those names off the list, which is still just, it's just blowing my mind. Hans Zimmer was incredibly influential in my love of film score music um, and, and how music really affects a, a film. He, he really opened my mind to what a film score can be and just the lengths that he's taken so many of his projects continues to blow my mind he's someone who continuously innovates he's someone who is pushing the boundary uh, of film composing and he's someone who can 
you know, put on a pretty damn good show, if I do say so myself. I got the opportunity to see him live once before, and it was an unbelievable experience when he started playing Pirates of the Caribbean. I about teared up. And so getting to speak to one of the most prolific film composers of all time was a real treat. Hans Zimmer is, of course, the mastermind behind the music of Gladiator, The Thin Red Line, The Last Samurai, Inception, Interstellar, The Dark Knight trilogy, Dunkirk, the original Lion King, which won him an Academy Award, and now his most recent project, the 2019 remake of The Lion King. And so getting to talk to him about that and tackling basically the same film, but like over 20 years later, what his approach was, what kind of changed in that, was very interesting. And so enough of the introductions. You all know who this man is. Let's get into my conversation with composer Hans Zimmer. You know, Seth Rogen and his singing, because... Uh, He's an just, excellent singer. It just, it feels like... It touches my heart more than anybody else. <laughs> For if sure. I had the choice between Beyonce or Seth every day, I would pick Seth. <laughs> well, everyone would. Well, I guess, because John was talking a little bit about how you and uh, Pharrell Williams, yeah, you were... Like working to kind of get him out of his comfort zone and perfect that. I guess how was that was that difficult or did he kind of you know warm up to the process a little bit? You know, there's this sort of good guy, bad guy routine that Pharrell and I have down. <laughs> He's the good guy, I'm the German. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So no, it it, it works. Uh, look, all it all it was making him feel comfortable and then and then Pharrell I mean seriously Pharrell is brilliant at this I mean you know um it's I didn't pick him just because he was my friend I, I picked him because he's been on the voice right. doing that sort of stuff he knows how to get amazing performances out of people yeah you know and, and make them feel un, unself-conscious and you know and most of the stuff my studio, actually, my studio is just where we did the original Lion King. It's, it's sort of a comfy place. Not quite as beige as this room here. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. Um, no, I thought, you know, I don't know. Ask Seth. I think we made him that feel be, comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I, if I, the next time I get to yeah. talk to him, that'll yeah. be something. But, but um, so what I find interesting is like you didn't initially want to do the original Lion King and then, you know, lo and behold, that led to an Oscar. And so I'm, I'm curious if that, that hesitation kind of crept back up when they approached you for this remake because i mean well they uh, you know there there, there there is a sort of a sense of um ownership right. you know on the one hand and on the other hand there was a sort of oh no god i'm always like this you know i, I was slightly cynical about the whole thing sure yeah what are you gonna do guys you know i think we did a pretty good job the first time around when you're you know, the, <laughs> well, forget that yeah, but it's yeah. like you know it, it moved people you know and John just said, you know, John didn't do anything other than say, come down and have a look. And he sat me down and he had the opening sequence ready. He didn't say a word, he just played the opening sequence to me. And I, 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 I didn't, ex you know, it did things which were which just, uh, to me, you know, it, it moved me in, in a way that I didn't expect to be moved. And I just, I just thought only an idiot would say no. Right, right. right? You know, it's, it's like this is, this is great, and and instantly got, uh, instantly got ideas of what I could do 
to go and help John on this journey. Right. Well, and, and I'm wondering if some of those ideas didn't kind of come from your your live show, you know? Because you no, you, no, no. The ideas came from they, the live or, show. Or yeah, that's sorry. That's exactly. what I meant. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I set it up badly for you, but I mean, yeah. the, 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 honestly, the the truth was, you know, I was thinking, hang on. So he's doing this. He's got these great actors, and at the same time, it's going to be a bunch of machines animating this and it doesn't matter how good that gets um it still needs it's still not quite a performance and the thing that i managed to now figure out with the lion king is when we go out on the road you know we 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 don't play it as like little tiny fragments which is how you normally record a film score you know like one and one, one. We do it as a whole. We do it as a whole concert. We do it as a whole performance, and you know that that's of hanging on for dear life, and at the same time, just <laughs> recklessly throwing your heart into things yeah. is exactly what I thought we could do with this, um, and which was a bit, you know, like yeah. D- Disney took a risk, you know, because I said this is going to be different. I want two days of re- just rehearsing with everybody and not record a note. And then I just want to go and see what happens if we run the whole thing and we have an audience. Right. So I get all the filmmakers in to just, you know, musicians react to having an audience, you know, it, it, it makes it a bit more dangerous, mm-hmm. you know, which is a good thing. Yeah, well, you know, and I'm I'm interesting if that's something, you know, having done these live shows, is that something you're going to start carrying over in, in future projects? Because, I mean, you know, you have you have Wonder Woman 1984 and... I, you know, since you you created the theme, but you haven't actually scored it yet, and so I can only no. Im- I, I can only imagine that you're going to take some of like the, the the riffing and the experimentation that you've done during your live shows and just try and work it into that score, right? I th- I think so. I, I look, it worked, you know. Yeah. But part of my tendency, which is terrible, whenever things are working really well, I that that that's the point when I go. And turn everything on its head and go. No, no, no. We're going to go over there. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not complacent about things, but you know, right now I'm really enjoying this 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 thing. Which, you know, if you think about it, the, 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 the great thing about music is the operative word, which is playfulness. Play. You have to play music. There has to be a element of playfulness in the whole thing. You know, and. That's what makes it happen. And the be- best way to do that is the more people you get in, the more fun it's going to be to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Now, and Make that's, a noise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's just, it's one of those things where it's like you could try something out in the studio and be like, oh, this would might not work great in this score, but it would be incredible live. And then, you know, vice versa. And so that balances, that's something that's like totally interesting. Well, the thing, you know, the thing I really didn't know because I had such you know, I was an idiot having such stage fright. I still have the <laughs> stage fright, and I'm still an idiot. But you know, it's just I I, I now live with it. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's the 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 point is when you stand up there on a stage, the audience tells you what works and what doesn't without yeah. words. You just feel it, you know, and it just uh, you know, you just have to. You, plus, you're surrounded by these musicians that that protect you. Yeah, everybody protects everybody, including the audience. They want to see a good show, so everybody's protecting everybody else. You right, know? and it does come. It, it it's this an, an amazing form of communication, which is different from film. Right, because right. film is not real time. 
So, so you know, what I try to do in this movie was, in the most unlikely movie, I was trying to get a sense of real time happening. Well, and I mean, I can only speak from experience. I, you know, I, I went with my family, saw the live show at Merriweather, yeah. and it right. was... You know, when you start playing pirates, I think that's like one of the only times that I've like cried during a concert. It's like it's unbelievable, and it's when you start to realize the impact of this music and like how it's like it was like going to a rock show. It's crazy. All I remember was you guys have the biggest mosquitoes in the world. Oh my god, it's it's horrible. And if you're the guy in the white shirt, every time the light hit me, those mosquitoes were like, there he is. Yeah, Get yeah, him. absolutely. Oh, I promise I wasn't wearing white, but um, so it's interesting because you know you know. Not only do you have The Lion King out right now, but you also have Dark Phoenix out, which I... Th- that score is incredible. And I, I remember listening... For a movie that nobody saw. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it's... Uh, weirdly enough, it's my favorite score of the year. But something that's interesting about it is I, I remember hearing... You like mentioned in an interview or something that you were like trying... You wanted to try some things out with it that you hadn't done before. What? Well, that whole vocal percussion. The, oh, the, 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 okay. the, the, the female voice. I found this... Amazing singer in New York, Loire Kotler. Yeah. Um, so those sort of yeah, yeah, but every score should be about this. You know, you want to try something yeah. out. You know, I mean, um, you know, as we're just talking about Lion King. You know, I want to go and make it like the the way we did Coachella or the way we did. You know, um, because you you need to you need to push things. Yeah, you, know, you, you, yeah. you need to be just at the edge of disaster. That's where the good <laughs> stuff happens. Yeah, no, I'd, absolutely. Well, speaking of, of you know things, you know experimentation and whatnot. Most of your work with Christopher Nolan has like fallen along those lines, and you know he's someone that is constantly pushing the envelope in terms of filmmaking. And I feel like you kind of like have to rise to the challenge to match that. And the score for Dunkirk is. Unbelievable. I mean, it's it's just so unique and nearly killed me. I, I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like because the the film is, and and I'm, I want to just kind of see if this is right. But the the film is structured like the Shepherd tone, you know. And so you but, have uh, that, yeah. There, there's more to it. There's more to it than that. And we sort of decided we're never actually going to really give the secret away. Oh, okay. But the, the 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 music, the the concept. The concept of how the film should be done was, of course, came first. That was Chris's. Sure. But then we figured out, which on paper seemed like a really, I remember we were giddy when we figured out how we were going to do the music because it seemed like a really good idea mm-hmm. until we actually had to do it. <laughs> because nobody had done it like that. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've said this for years, you know, one day, one of these days I'm going to come up against the thing where I'm going, you know, nobody's done this before, and then I'll find out the reason why nobody's <laughs> yeah. done it before. And Dunkirk yeah. was nearly the one where it all went incredibly wrong. Yeah, and so I get, obviously you've got like Dune and Wonder Woman going on, so is that, did you guys maybe need a little bit of a break following Dunkirk, just because of the... Uh, yeah, you know? Absolutely, plus Dune is one of my favorite books from my teenage years and i i love denis villeneuve obviously and uh, joe walker his editor uh, he and i have you know we we did 12 years a slave together we did widows but we really started working in 1988 uh for the bbc together so you know uh, like it's nice working with it feels like family yeah 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 and i never saw the original Dune movie, so I'm coming at this in a rather so fresh way. 
That's interesting. Just from the book. Yeah, right. So it's like, yeah. it's, in a way, it's almost like you've been toying around with the sound of this film your whole life, right? You might be really onto something. Okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, so I have to do it. And Chris understands I have to do it. And, you know, and look, he's got. You know. I mean, my God, he's, he's yeah. going to be just fine. Oh, yeah, right. If right. you're going to if you're going to have yeah. someone fill in, yeah, Ludwig Gorenson, incredible. You know, and we're friends, and and that forget the friend part. He's really good. He's, he's yeah, really good. Well, and it's interesting because you know his work on Black Panther is it's it's different from what you did with the original Lion King, but you had you had a similar yeah. approach to really capture the sound of you know, the place in which the story takes. Well, the, the strange thing is, you know, it's like, because I've worked with Baba Mal before, yeah. who was his singer on Black Panther. I, you know, he was my my voice on um, Black Hawk Down. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So, so, yeah, you know, circles within circles within yeah, circles. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is good, you know. Was that was that something where it's like you recommended him? No, to- no, no, not at all. It's, he is one of, look... He's one of the greatest African singers there is. It's okay. like it's like um, you know Gladiator when we wanted to use a female voice, and it was just it just seemed like the only person that could possibly fit that bill was Lisa Gerard. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I can't even I can't even imagine. But um, it's all it's all, it's all a, a little bit about casting. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I, something that's fascinated me is like your your working relationships with these filmmakers, and it's like you're not you're not someone who. Uh, reads a script before no, you know, quite the things. opposite. Yeah, exactly. So, I is that something that because you have remote control productions and you know you've mentored so many people like you know Lauren Balf, uh, Tom Holkenborg, and whatnot. Is that an approach that you take uh, when mentoring them? You know, kind of what what's like the, the well, no, no. I, okay, yeah. I mean, we can, uh, I don't mentor them, but I tell you what I think is the difference between going to film school or going to music school as opposed to being an intern or being an assistant. You are, you come into the room and there's a composer and there's a director sitting in front of a scene and all you're doing is you're making coffee. You're not actually saying anything, but you can get to hang out in that room and, and in the morning, it's the filmmaker looking at the scene and the composer looking at the scene and they're going... I have no idea what to do, and there's an insurmountable problem. You know, I mean, take, uh, I don't know, uh, Inception. Sure. You know, those Rams. Oh, right, that, right. Okay, <laughs> that, I'm on purpose using something as a, as a really good example. Uh-huh. So Chris and I are going, well, how are we gonna, what, what are we going to do? Okay, we, we come up. I remember we came up, we came up with this idea of, of the crazy brass thing and yeah. got all these brass players. So, by the in other words, by the afternoon, if you are an intern making coffee, you see that an insurmountable problem actually t- triggers some sort of really cool idea that nobody has done, and which hopefully whoever was an intern then will remember is that those brass sounds were a story point. You know, they yeah. were the as opposed to you know a trailer thing, I know. And then they became a trailer. I know it's it's yeah. it's a nightmare. I one final question yeah. for you because I know I, Chris has kind of gone out there and he said that like the especially the snow sequences were like his take on James Bond. Right. A bit. Massive Bond fan. Was there any um, Bondian influence in scoring that particular part? Because it does it it feels a little bit like like Barry's take on Majesty without overtly no, 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 you know no. yeah yeah of course yeah. You know, huge Sean Barry fan, huge James Bond fan. Yeah. Um, 
just try to figure out like uh, yeah and, and, and in fact i remember i mean the, those snow sequences uh they they used to be twice as long because the music really worked oh I, damn. I, it took us a, took us all a while to go it's all too long. We're just listening <laughs> to the music. We're not looking see, at the film. I'd love to see those full sequences. That's crazy. <laughs> but, oh, geez. I, well, I'm out of time, but thank you so much. Uh, for You're very welcome. Lovely talking to you. Pleasure. Pleasure, yeah. Well, there you have it, guys. That was my interview with Hans Zimmer. I still can't believe that it happened, and it truly was one of the most delightful conversations I've ever had, and I... I can't wait to talk to him again sometime. There were still a million other questions I wanted to ask that I couldn't get to, unfortunately, but hopefully you all enjoyed the first episode of The Fourth Wall. Seriously, guys, be sure to subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network for more episodes of The Fourth Wall along with the rest of our podcast catalog. Whatever your fix is, I'm sure we've got it. Hans's score for The Lion King is now available on Apple Music and Spotify, so if you're interested in that, highly recommend checking it out and the lion king opens in theaters on july 19th worldwide but the most important thing is i want to hear from you all not only do i want to know what your favorite hans zimmer score is i want to get your feedback on this particular episode what were things you like things that you think i can improve upon all that good stuff feel free to tweet at me at griff schiller or leave a comment in wherever you are listening to this show also be sure to head on over to apple podcasts and leave us a rating and a review because that really helps us get noticed and it really helps the playlist podcast network in in general seriously guys this has been a blast i can't wait to reveal future guests to you all i actually have a few lined up already so looking forward to getting those to you that's going to do it for episode number one of the fourth wall and until next time take care